2: NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
3: It's Wednesday, September 20th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast.
2: That is the voice of today's special guest. You'll recognize that voice because he was yesterday's special guest to the former number one overall pick, the Super Bowl champion, David Carr. Welcome back to the show, DC. Thanks, buddy. On today's show, well, we're in the getaway car with some guys who stole the spotlight in week two. We talked to AFC the last time. Let's turn now to the NFC and let's get right to it. One of the six NFC franchises with a 2-0 record, the Atlanta Falcons, Mm -hmm. were a popular pick for worst-to-first turnaround in their division. David Carr, this is a team figuring out ways to win what is the perfect recipe for this Falcons team and what is the ingredient that you would leave out
3: yeah okay so that's a great question I think that when you look at the Falcons last year they were already a really good running football team and Marcus Mariota was a quarterback insert Desmond Ritter less experience similar player Uh, Desmond has a lot of the stuff that you you really love to see the stuff that you really can't measure intangible wise like he's a competitor He's gonna work really hard at, at his craft. He does lack that intermediate precision type leveling of different types of throws. Like he just has not ever really had that. But what he lacks there, he also makes up for in his ability to run the football. And I think he can push it down the field. And you have, you have some really good components, you know, in Drake London and some big physical Kyle Pitts, some guys that can go down the field and really make plays. And then you add Bijan Robinson, who's a, I mean, he's dynamic, man. You watch him run the football. I mean, he's got ankle breaking ability with physical downhill, catch the ball to the backfield as well. Like every component you would want, you know, in a running back. So what I would do is take a page out of a team that's right there in your division that did this several years ago, but it was when Cam Newton was at his best, they ran the football effectively. And, but when they threw it, it was a chunk play. Like they weren't trying to get five yards. They were trying to get 50 and they did. And I think that the defensive schemes that you're seeing played against Atlanta is eerily reminiscent of the schemes that you saw played against Carolina, where there's nine or 10 or 11 guys within 10 yards of line of scrimmage. Like that is disrespectful. First of all, from a quarterback's perspective, but when you have guys like London and Pitts and some of these bigger physical guys where you can really push the element down the field, I mean, Matt Collins is the same type of body. Like he's the same physical type of guy. Like I would be pushing it vertical You know, it's not that they don't know this. Not that Arthur Smith doesn't isn't aware of this, but I think he's going to learn throughout the season that they can't really live in the intermediate world. It's got to be a run heavy approach. You can throw it quick to the outside, RPOs, yes, absolutely. But when I'm taking shots, I mean, I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it down the field because I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? You get pass interference. You get you can get some. You can change effectively field position. We've seen that a lot in in the recent uh, recent past, just with the NFL teams. Like a lot of teams pushing the ball down the field. That's That's worth it. You know, I used to talk to coordinators all the time. They're like, no, we're doing that six or seven times a game. Like, regardless of what else we do, we're going to push the ball 40 yards down the field at least six times because something positive can happen in one of those six, and you've effectively changed the entire field position game. So I like it. I like Atlanta, but they're going to have to play a certain way. They're not going to be a team that's going to get into a drop-back pass scenario and think that Desmond Raiders is going to chop you up. It's just not going to happen, right? It hasn't happened through training camp. He's never been that guy in college. He's an elite athletic guy that can push the ball vertical and you got the guys to do it, so let's run the football with and let's chunk it down the field.
2: Translation, uh, do away with the intermediate passing game for the most part and channel your inner Cam Newton-led Panthers. You remember the team that went 15-1 in the regular season and made a Super Bowl run? Yeah, that Cam Mm -hmm. Newton-led Panthers team. (laughs) Question number two, David Carr. Seahawks were embarrassed week one at home by the division rival Rams. Then they hit the road to take on a pride of Lions, licking themselves in sweet satisfaction, having taken down the champs (laughs) in week one. And the Hawks? win in overtime it's hard to know much about a team that follows an unexpected loss with an unexpected win david carr yeah. help us understand and perhaps unravel this mystery in college navy wolf gray and action green
3: yeah i, I like the, the good young defense that's only getting better and then gino is is a guy that is who we thought he was you know to steal an old line but what i saw the other day was a very efficient gino and a guy that you know knows where to go with the football is a guy that doesn't turn the football over as as prominently anymore. And he's he's playing like a veteran quarterback. So as you push through this thing, if you're a Seattle fan, like that's a good Detroit team. Like towards the end of the season, you'll see. Like they obviously beat Kansas City week one. I mean, that's that's a good football team. Even what it was without Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones I don't care. Right. That's that's a good football team that you just beat. And I like Seattle. I like their makeup. I like the fact that they have, you know, three solid wide receivers, three options there to go with that run game. I think they're going to be just fine in that division. They might even win that division. I mean, honestly, like you look at that, as this thing plays out, like the Rams, obviously they'll have something to say about it, but obviously San Francisco, but they're not out of the realm of possibility. They've played historically well against the 49ers. So like who's to say that Seattle won't have a say at the end of this thing? I think they'll be just fine. Okay, David Carr, question
2: number three. You're on the elevator. You have 30 seconds to
3: pitch the Chicago Bears
2: leadership. (laughs) How do you solve a problem like Justin Fields? Because Justin Fields may not actually be the problem, but he is certainly in a problem environment. What's your pitch? So the hard
3: part is your head coach is a good coach, your offensive coordinator is a good coordinator, and your quarterback is good. But the problem is it's like oil and water. Like for me, I I was concerned about this in the offseason. But the, the head coach, for a young quarterback, it needs to be a guy that, that guys that are young feel comfortable to go to talk to about everything, about you know, big problems on the team and your comfort level with this offense. Like That conversation is not being had between the head coach of the Chicago Bears and the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. It's just not. So now you have Luke Getze, who's, who's a good coach. He's just now with a quarterback that just doesn't fit his system and he's probably pulling his hair out trying to figure out how do i become you know the Philadelphia Eagles or how do i implement RPOs and what is this zone run with the quarterback like he has no idea that's not his world like he's always lived in the Green Bay Packers Kyle Shanahan like that's his world his world is under center play action pass you know create big plays off it's just like it's just not a good fit man it's like you got two pieces left in the puzzle and they're from a different puzzle like, how do you make it fit? Like, I don't – you just get a different puzzle, dude. Like, so that's unfortunately where you find yourself is someone's going to have to get shuffled out, and, it, and this is how it works, Drew. You know how this game works. It's usually the coordinator, then it's the head coach, and then the quarterback's the last one to go. And that's the natural progression of these things. You guys so.
2: walk through the raindrops. You know that. Translation, yeah. it's not personal. It's personnel. Yeah. It's not casting. It's chemistry and the chemistry just isn't right, I should think you would love to see. Obviously, he's he's a little busy right now, but a guy like a Shane Steichen get his hands on oh. a player like Justin Fields. Yes. You saw what he did with Justin Herbert. You saw what he did with Jalen Hurts. He'd be perfect. Uh, maybe even a guy like Greg Roman, who is available, yeah. right, Absolutely. to come in and take a rather stunning skill set when you consider what Justin Fields was able to do be great. The, running the ball last year. Greg Roman may be the kind of guy that's perfect for this scenario. I don't want to put anybody out of a job, but certainly somebody needs to be doing a better job with Justin Fields yeah. in Chicago. You know, ask any Bears fan. <laughs> Question number four, the Rams will remain under the radar after finally succumbing to the Niners on Sunday. But the partnership of Matthew Stafford and Puka Nakua will eventually be too fun to say and too good to ignore. Through his first two games, Puka has hauled in more receptions than anyone else in NFL history. First blush, first take, first thoughts, first impression about the LA Rams. The some, somewhat, some would say
3: surprising, resurgent yeah. L.A. Rams. I love it. I, I think that, well, what you watch is you watch Matt Stafford, who's just an elite-level arm talent, and that's just what he's always been. That's so what he was in Detroit. He would keep bad teams afloat. And I don't even think the Rams are a bad team. I think that they're a well-coached team, uh, a team that under Sean McVay is always going to have answers. Um, schematically, you watch them. They they have answers versus everything, right? And, and Matt is... Uniquely qualified to get them out of trouble that they don't have answers for. So it's like, it's it's hard to say that they're going to be at a disadvantage if you can keep them upright, which they've done a pretty good job of so far. And then you insert a kid like Puka, who is a he's a bigger kid, so he's physical. He can match up well against corners. Um, but then he also has he's he's got good lateral movement as well. So and and he's he's kind of cunning, you know. And they they put him in Cooper Cup's role right now. That's where he's playing. That's why he has so many touches. So he's in, you know advantageous situations to get the football thrown to him, but he still has to execute the play. He's smart, obviously, clearly, to put him in those situations, understands coverages. I've seen him break off a number of routes um, just based on the coverage that he's seeing. It's not necessarily the route that was drawn, but he has a, an uncanny ability with Matthew Stafford to kind of find space. And he, I always say it's, like it's, fr- it's friendly to a quarterback. There's some receivers that are just friendly to quarterbacks, and there's some receivers as talented as they are. They just aren't. You know, but Puka definitely is, and he still has ability. So that's why you see him making all these plays, and it's only going to continue. Now, will you know, as Cooper, if he gets healthy when, when he comes back, is his role going to diminish? And I think it's still a great option to have opposite him. You know, and they've kind of been looking for that. You know, when when Odell was there, you know, they, they were they were rolling right. And so if you can find another guy opposite Cooper Cup, who's to say with Aaron Donald still lurking, right? And I have to deal with him as an an offense going against the Rams. I mean, that's still something that's going to give you you know, consternation uh, every week, they're, they're going to be fine. They'll be fun to watch. Translation, the NFC West is suddenly
2: fascinating. Three deep <laughs> fascinating. Is. When you consider yeah. what the Niners will be, yeah. what the Seahawks should be, mm-hmm. and what this Rams team could be. <laughs> Scene of the crime in the getaway car. The getaway car is David Carr. Question number five, the Giants. Mm. Uh, full disclosure, I am keeping receipts. We have a Slack thread and a text chain that goes on during Monday night games and Thursday night games and, yes, all of the Sunday games. And this Sunday at halftime of the Giants game, when that one was out of reach, Giants-Cardinals, Giants were done. They hadn't scored a point in six quarters, outscored 60 to nothing or something outrageous like that. David Carr texted Michael Yam, quote, Yam, I don't even know what to say about the Giants, (laughs) period, sad, end quote. David, that was at halftime in a game that the Giants came back from being down (laughs) 21 in the second half to right. win here's my question not to shame you was this inevitable was this just the thing that was bound to happen when a recent playoff team takes on a recently plundered team or is this an indication that your giants have officially gotten over that week one met like drowning at the <laughs> hands of dallas
3: yeah uh it was sad, Drew.
2: You weren't the only one. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you're, look, you're the only one sitting in the chair, but we depressing. were all,
3: Mikey, yeah, more than anyone, have was any brutalizing his Giants. Well, because it didn't make any sense. Like, it's its not like Arizona was Dallas. I mean, you just expected them. Okay, yeah, you had to travel out to the desert, and maybe it would take you a little while to get going. Right. But my goodness, we haven't had a point in six quarters. So, yeah, it was, it was sad. But I think when you looked at the game, it was Danny kind of just freeing up a little bit and making a couple plays with his feet. You know, I think that that's just what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to kind of let him play a little bit loose. Like when I, play him play, see, when I see him play at his best, he's kind of just throwing caution to the wind because he's already, um, I think, he's already a cautious guy. So you almost have to kind of like break him out of that mold a little bit and kind of get him involved in the runs, let him make some plays. They got Waller involved, you know, in the second half a lot more. And that kind of freed him up, you know, to kind of throw the football down the field. to Jalen, they made some nice throws there. That kind of opened up the field a little bit. And they found a way defensively to kind of put a little pressure on the quarterback and and climb their way back. So, man, it was it was one of those games that like that happened towards the beginning of a season that can literally change the entire direction of your team, you know, for the rest of the year. I think that if that game continued and it was 3110 and the Cardinals beat them, I don't know if we ever hear from the Giants again. But just the way that it ended up working out, it has a way of bringing guys together both sides of the ball. I'm excited about, you know, what they can do going forward. I'm nervous about Saquon not being there, but I think that, you know, with with that injury, it, it almost like puts a little bit more on Danny. It's like, okay, we can't just rely on Saquon to kind of carry this thing. you got to kind of make some plays, you know, and gotta you got to play maybe outside your comfort zone a little bit. And I think that's okay because Brian Dayball is the ultimate, like, chess piece because he can kind of let him play a little bit more aggressively but then kind of control that with the play calls, you know, so – I feel good about it. I think that's going to be fun because defensively, they're still going to get after the quarterback. They're going to create turnovers. They're going to create some inconsistencies with that team, which is what happened in that second half with Arizona. They kind of were able to confuse enough, you know, to create some, you know, some turnovers and to create some, some short fields so that that was, that was a positive, but I'm happy for the giants, man. I was depressed for a while. I was really nervous for them. <laughs> it was going to be bad. It's going to be a long year. Two more
2: questions in the week two getaway car with David Carr. Question number one, if you had to ride with only one, who would you choose, Niners, Eagles, or Cowboys?
3: Oh, my goodness. I'm going Niners. I just, I love everything about that team. Brock Purdy's, if he was the first pick, we would be put, he'd be in the Hall of Fame already. I'm just saying, I think that's just, that's just what it is. The kid just, he missed a couple throws the other day. They still won, right? They still won the football game. I think that, I don't know how you defend them. Um, and I like to, I like to sit there and think about those things and game plan wise, like how would I, I don't know what I would do against San Francisco because Christian McCaffrey, if you let him, he'll go for 150 yards before the, before the end of the half and, and the, the game's already over. So do you load the box up and now you're taking your chances with all these weapons on the outside and Brock does such a good job. And Kyle does such a good job of not just running these stagnant, like vertical routes and like, these basic, nothing about what they do is basic. So it's just so hard to prepare for. And then defensively, they at every level, they have a guy that's a game-breaker. Like, Bosa can shut the game down. Warner can shut the game down just from knowing your stuff. and And they'll hit you in the secondary. They'll cover down. But there's not a lot of time to throw the football. So if you get behind on these guys, I don't know. I mean, Philly's good. I like Dallas. I really like a lot of what Dallas is doing. I think it's... It's such a it's such a refreshing thing to see them actually talk about doing something all offseason, and then be able to go out there and, and do it. And you mentioned Dak and his accuracy and how good he's been this year, but man, San Francisco is just a different animal. They just are. They're just a. If Brock doesn't get hurt last year in Philly, it's a different team that's going to be in the Super Bowl. I think. You know. So that's just how I feel.
2: Translation: The class of the outfit in the NFC. You're not going to like this Philly. You're not going to like this Dallas. <laughs> doesn't play in either one of those cities. The class of the outfit in the NFC plays in San Francisco, so says David (laughs) Carr. Last question in the getaway car after all of these teams and players stole the spotlight in Week 2. Which of the surprising unbeatens in the NFC will be the first to fall? The Falcons, who are away to Detroit this week. My commanders, who host the Bills mm. this week, or the Bucks who host the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Three very difficult tests for three surprising yeah. unbeatens in the NFC. Who's the first to fall?
3: Uh, I, I think it's the Falcons, because I think the Lions are just a better team. I think they're going to see kind of what we've talked about. Unless the Falcons go in and they really are on, and they listen to TA the podcast, and they run the football and then throw some chunk plays down the field. I think that it's going to be tough for them to consistently make plays in the intermediate level. The Bucks, I I like the Bucks actually, and I like Washington. I I think Buffalo obviously is a different animal, but I don't think the Washington, I don't think their makeup is that of like a team that's just going to get bounced. Like that's for me, that's a tough test for Buffalo. So, and I like Sam Howell personally. I really like him. I think that he throws the ball. That's a great football Hey, my team. brother, I'm starting to. I like I him. Listen, he's
2: my guy. Yeah. Uh, whether I would have Picked him on the playground or not? No, the fact sure. Is probably he's never got guy picked. That's why and he's so good. I'm thrilled for his success. He reminds me in that kind of gr- that gritty way of our erstwhile friend Taylor Heineke in DC. Yeah. Um, the translation, though, and David's being very nice. The fact is that the Falcons, the Commanders, and the Bucks—they're all losing this week, bro. Well, I don't, don't know. You, come on, well, they're okay, all just losing go this back.
3: week. Just do this for me, Drew. When you're sitting at your house tonight and you just got nothing, to do, just pop on some maybe some YouTube, some old game, 2022 wild yes, card yes. game. Right, right. Just down, watch listener. what the Bucks did to the Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia Eagles. Just watch that game from a defense perspective, and it's the same coach. A lot of the same components are there. Just, just watch
2: that game. Okay, new translation. Awesome. Falcons. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I listened to you. I heard you. Let's spit it back. The Falcons, you're in trouble in on the road against Detroit. The Bills, you may be in for a harder game than you anticipated, yeah. and the Eagles, you may be in for trouble. Careful. Loss. Be careful. Trans- <laughs>
4: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
2: Andrew Levy with David Carr, and the next and final topic is called Oh, Brother. A weekly dose of either brotherly love or brotherly shove from David Carr to Derek Carr.
3: Hard to throw, pump fakes. Now throws to the far sideline, and that is caught by Rashid Shaheed. Down the far sideline, about the 31 yard line of Carolina, Dante Jackson was there, but not after the perfect pass to Rashid Shaheed.
2: David, that was one of my favorite passes of the week. There were two in this game that deep rope from Derek to Rashid Shaheed. Yeah. And you know what? Let's play the other one here, Coop. Yeah, the one it. to Olave. Panthers rush five. Carr steps up and delivers downfield. Get a 50-50 oh.
0: ball. What
2: a catch by
0: Olave.
4: <laughs> Battling Von Bell, all the way, Spectacular. It's unbelievable. Look, he's got his left arm. He's got his right arm. CJ's holding his right
2: arm. He can't get two hands up. And just look at that. If you could zoom in on his eyes, you could best believe they were as
3: big as saucers.
2: Yes, okay. Now everybody talked about that fantastic catch and it was a fantastic Mm -hmm. catch made it I think one hand with his left hand but the fact is if you slow-mo that you will see that the perfection of the throw is actually more impressive than the athleticism of the catch because Derek put it where literally inch perfect nobody else could get it but Olave yeah uh, pretty impressive performance when you consider he had what 228 yards and one pick. Yeah. Didn't get the ball in the paint. The post game call between you and Derek. What was
3: his vibe? Uh, so, uh, so it was a lot of what it was at this press conference because he was happy that they won. But he, as as a quarterback, you know, in those situations, like honestly, like he'd be owing to any other year right just they haven't played great on offense they've made a couple splash plays and and some clutch plays in the fourth quarter but they haven't played consistently great and but defensively man they've kept them in it and they've kind of been able to kind of work through some of that stuff and then find little pieces of things that they can attack and and those two throws that you mentioned like they had to have those two throws those were points making throws and it ended up working out for them so the kind of like the decompressed mode was just like we gotta get better. We're gonna get better. And oh, by the way, we're 2-0. So this is a great train to be on as you're trying to work through some things. I'm excited for him. He's got some great components. Like Michael Thomas has been great. He's been very consistent. Like he's, he's back, like he's back to the guy that can kind of control the intermediate, short intermediate level of the field. And now you got guys like Olave and Shahid that can push the ball down the field. Protection has to be better. And Derek can help with that. And they're working through some things with Pete Carmichael to kind of help that. Trevor played better, the left tackle. Then they had some other holes, but I mean, they faced two good pass rushes. It's kind of like what Pittsburgh has gone through the last couple weeks. Like Tennessee can get after you, right? They kind of did that the first week, and then we saw it the last week. There were a couple of holes as well, but they have a good pass rush as well with Carolina. So I think that's going to be something that as they work through the season, they'll get better at, and, and obviously having Alvin come back will be, will be helpful. But the run game has to be a little bit better. You know, you think about the Saints teams over the past, um, even when Drew was there, like they always relied on a like heavy run game. You know, and they threw the ball when they had to, but it was run-oriented. You know, Sean was there. They played good defense, but that's that's what you want to look for um, as the Saints move forward is can that run game elevate? Then the pass protection will elevate because the play-action game will be there. And they'll take more shots down the field. They'll Those yardages will bump up, and these guys will make some more plays. But defensively, man, they look really good, and it's kind of nice to have that. What's the message from Big Bro to Lil Bro ahead of the Week 3 matchup
2: in Green Bay at Lambeau against the Packers? what's the bug you're putting in his ear before that one?
3: Well, it's simple for him because he already kind of knows what it is. And they're, they're, if they had to say that there's a weakness there for them, it's been a little bit of the leaky pass protection. And I think a lot of times when you look at what they've had issues with, it's been obvious pass situations where they're just stuck in the shotgun and kind of teams can kind of pin their ears back a little bit. So kind of just disguising a little bit more offensively. I think doing some things to kind of maybe not show when you're in the drop back pass mode. And I think that's what they're going to work towards. That, they were actually really good at that. Uh, when, when Gruden was in, in Las Vegas and in Oakland, they would get in run-type sets and then and then heavy run action. That would help the pass protection. So I think probably some more of that. Um, it doesn't have to be a lot of it. Just to, to sprinkle in the ability to kind of push the ball down the field a little bit more would, would be nice. Because their short intermediate passing game has been actually really good. I think between the receivers, they had like 17 catches the other night. So they're able to get it to them quickly. But it's just too hard, I think, in this league to hit big plays unless you're going to be, like you saw the play with Olave or Shahid, like it's dialed up or it's just a perfect throw and a perfect catch. Like that took like extra effort, like ability to make those plays, and that was just in the drop-back pass game. So you kind of have to you kind of have to do it more off play action.
2: I believe we can agree that this is, it looks to be, even at this early stage, a tougher division than many people had anticipated. Yeah. We mentioned the Falcons a moment ago undefeated at 2-0. and the Saints don't face the Falcons until the final seven games of the season. In those final games of the seven games of the season, Derek and the Saints will face the Falcons twice. Now, the Saints do face the Bucks in Week Four. Let's not be guilty of looking ahead to the Bucks uh, next week in Green Bay final two questions it's about confidence and it's about worry the confidence is the strut what's the strut for this Saints team beyond the defense what's Derek's strut
3: what's his biggest confidence club dub club dub's amazing I don't know if you've seen that but uh, Jameis Winston leads that thing these guys are they they are a tight group like they are a group of veteran players Uh, you talk about the honey badger you talk about cam like um they they have some really tight um conversations and that group is already a, a unit like that's what you always work for um, as you work through the season. You hope that the offense and defense can kind of melt and kind of melt together and make this like cohesive unit. But they already have it. So like if you're going to hang your hat on one thing, it's like these guys really believe in each other. They push each other hard in the offseason. They were around each other a lot. So that's what they're going to hang their hat on It's just veteran leadership. Dennis Allen really gets this group and he treats them like professionals and treats them like veterans and that's that's man that's like means more than anything
2: the confidence for the saints
3: is the culture that's the yep. strut what's the worry what's the fret Uh, Just some youth up front. I think with anytime you're starting a rookie left tackle or a a young left tackle that's making his second, third start now in Green Bay, like that's what you kind of worry about. So if you get those elite pass rushers, you're going to have to do things to kind of slow that down, which involves chipping and involves leaving guys in. Then you lose something in the pass game. So what you can really, you know, kind of looking forward, like hopefully we're not guilty of, but getting Alvin back and getting a guy that can really help In those situations, he's great in pass protection. In the run game, that slows that stuff down. Like, that's where we kind of have to – you don't want to jump forward to that moment when Alvin's back on the field, but he's going to help their offense in so many different ways other than just running the football. Thanks so much for being here, bud. Thank you, buddy. Get out of here. Thanks, man.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.
4: Visit LiveNation.com concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum41, 30 Seconds to Mars, Owen oh, Two Door Cinema Club.
2: And I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow when Michael Robinson, the real Mike Robb, the Super Bowl champion, is in the chair, and he will take a last look back at week two. More importantly, he will turn the page and take a first look ahead to week three in the NFL. The best matchups, team versus team, but also man versus man. Michael Robinson has a few on the brain. We will share it with you. That's next time. Till then, ciao for now.